Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, Dan the Viking. Now, first things first, I want to apologise. We have been a fair few weeks without a show, so uh, I can't apologise enough, but unfortunately guys, again, been really, really busy. It's just been one of those times at work where we're just working a lot of hours, doing sort of 60 hours a week at the moment, so... Yeah, not really much time to, well, to do anything really. So, I want to firstly give a little shout out to David, my newest Patreon member. Thank you very much for joining. I hope you're enjoying everything you get over there. And I want to just draw back to the poll that we put up last week for, well, I say last week, it may have been the week before, but for Hans Muller. Um, the good man of Auschwitz, as he was known. And we've only had five votes, guys. So uh, I'm looking at it now. It says there's 103 people on the Facebook group that viewed that. It reached 105 people. Um, and only five people actually voted. Bearing in mind, one of them was me. One of them was my dad. That's three of you. Come on, guys, you can do better than that. 103 of you saw that. Um, so, yeah, 103 and uh, only three of you actually voted. So, um, I was expecting more of an outcome than that. So, I'm a bit disappointed there. I thought you guys uh, might have been quite into that. But uh turns out probably not. Um, nonetheless, it was an overwhelming victory for he is a good guy. Uh, on, I say overwhelming, 3-2, to two. but like I said, you already knew my opinion. So, yeah, um, if I do that again, um, if you do see it, just, just click on what you think, you know, it's, um, it didn't cost anything, so, yeah, I'm a bit, a bit disappointed there, I thought, uh, I thought we might get a bit more interaction from that, though, uh, for those of you who did miss out, it was on the Facebook group, um, and it was just a just a normal poll to see what you guys thought. Um, like I said, I do apologise for the lateness of this episode because, yeah, it's just been just been crazy and not had time to do anything. Unfortunately, Dad is in the same boat. He's working quite a lot, um, and therefore he hasn't had time to do an episode either. Um, so we're a little bit behind where we want to be. Um, I will be taking requests for shows coming up now um we're going into the time where um 
not not running out of ideas. I have some big shows that I want to do that require uh, quite a lot of um, research. So I'm looking at doing things like the Battle of Waterloo, Napoleon, things like that that are huge parts of history but do require quite a lot of research. And I've had a few requests over the last few months and we have covered those. You know, um, a lot of the ones that we did for war heroes have been covered i am currently watching the ashes and i was thinking oh we should do an episode on the ashes and then realized i did one when the ashes was being played last time so uh, i won't be doing another episode on the ashes for those of you in america who don't know what that is uh, google it or go back and listen to the episode it was a great episode um for those of you in australia uh, stop cheating and uh you know we might actually have a fair contest <laughs> and i'm only joking because i watched it and he was definitely out if you're australian or british you know what i'm talking about if you're american it's a controversy um from the second test at lords but that won't mean anything to you so either google it or uh like i said go back and listen to the episode without further ado so i'm going to stop waffling now and we're going to talk about the episode this episode, ladies and gentlemen, has taken a fair bit of research. It is a big one. It is one I've wanted to do for a long, long time. And it is the most famous prison in the world. I would say, I don't know, is it more famous than Alcatraz? I would say it's more famous than Alcatraz. It's certainly got a bigger history than Alcatraz. It dates back nearly a thousand years it was once the home of kings and queens. It was home to beheadings and killings of queens and people who uh, rebelled against the crown. It was once a grand castle, not meant to be a prison. It was then a prison. It was then a torture uh, chamber for political criminals. It has been a zoo. It sounds like an absolute silly place to be it's got so much history and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about or haven't been bothered to read the episode we are talking about the infamous tower of london so we'll go back to the very beginning for those of you who listen to the show regularly and have heard the episode 1066 you will know all about william the conqueror or william of normandy he was a general, a man in charge of the Norman army in the northern part of France, a little area called Normandy. He sailed over in 1066 when Edward the Confessor died. When Edward the Confessor died, there were challenges to the English throne. One by a man named Harold Hadrada, a Viking, who travelled over on the same year, 1066. One by William of Normandy and won by a man named Harold Godwinson. Harold Godwinson was crowned king and led his army from London north to meet Harold Hadrada and the Viking army in 1066. He defeated that Viking army at the Battle of Stamford Bridge only to find word that the Norman army had landed on the south coast. Now, For those of you who don't know, York down to Hastings is a long walk. There were no cars back then. It took them a few days. The entire army walked from York down to Hastings 
and one of the greatest battles in British history. Definitely one of the most famous and one that is replayed every single year at battle reenactments. And Harold Godwinson lost. He got allegedly shot in the eye with an arrow. Now, that is what the tapestry will tell you. There is a tapestry out there called the Bio Tapestry or the Bayou Tapestry, depending on how you pronounce it. And that depicts Harold Godwinson being shot in the eye. In reality, he was probably massacred. Nonetheless, the end result meant that William of Normandy now became William the Conqueror and William I of England. With nobody to stop him, he marched and pillaged all the way into London, where on Christmas Day 1066, he was crowned King of England. Now, you have a French king in England. This was the start of the hatred between the English and the French. There was a, f a fair bit before then, but this was when it really kicked in. The English didn't like him. He didn't speak the language. He wasn't from there. They weren't going to worship a king like that. So he had to show his dominance. Now, one way of doing that is putting down rebellions, sending your soldiers out to fight all the time. But it doesn't really make for a happy country. You kind of need to have the civilians on your side, otherwise you are going to constantly be in battle. So what he did was he built a fortress. This fortress started in 1075, and it was called the White Tower. The White Tower still exists today. That is the main part of what is now known as the Tower of London. It is still called the White Tower, and it sits on the bank of the River Thames. This tower was meant to be seen by everybody around London, and it was massive for the time. You've got to remember, back in 1060s, 1070s, London was extremely flat. It still is flat, but unfortunately now we've got high-rise buildings everywhere. When the country is completely flat, and you can see for miles, one huge white tower in the centre of the city, right on the riverbank, was certainly an imposing feature and that is what he wanted to impose his power on the people around him. So the Tower of London started life as a castle. It is still a castle but it didn't start as a prison. It started as somewhere where the king could live and be safe from all the peasants around him that didn't want him there. And it worked pretty darn well to be perfectly honest. Now the Tower of London evolved over the next couple of hundred years and going into the 12th century, the outer walls were built around the tower. Again, these walls still exist today and this gives it the shape of something you might recognise today as a, as a very similar sort of structure. Now, it wasn't completely built until the 13th, excuse me, the 13th century or the 1200s and this is when the tower really started to basically look the way it does now so when we talk about the tower of london being old it is extremely old these fortifications these walls still exist today now the tower of london does consist of more than one tower we have the white castle in the middle the white tower and there's also the bell tower which believe it or not holds the bell the bell was like a warning for any invading armies. It could ring around the city. And you also had what's known as the wardrobe tower, which is 
pretty much a bit of a ruin now it's not necessarily the same size as it was and believe it or not yes it is exactly what it says it was a wardrobe to hide to hide sorry to hold the king's clothes yeah he had a whole tower just for his clothes in 1220 they erected the lantern tower which sat on the banks of the thames which was designed to illuminate the thames at night time to help ships as they were passing the uh, passing that part of the thames one of the most famous and early events of the tower happened in 1189 so we're going back just a little bit earlier here and this just goes to show how the tower was seen as the basically the home of the british i was going to say empire then but it wasn't an empire but the home of england it was the the capital it was the pinnacle the tower of london was the be all and end all of of england you know what i mean at this time and in 1189 we had a king a king named richard one you may have heard of richard the lionheart very very famous king and a very good king when we're looking at english history in 1189 he decided to go to war in the holy land kind of on his own really i mean he took british soldiers or english soldiers um but yeah he left the country kind of unattended and in 1189 his brother king john uh, or at the time just john decided to come down to london with an army and say the king has, doesn't care about this country. He's not here. He's sodded off to the Middle East to have a war. And we need a king. I'm taking the tower. I'm going to be crowned as king. And he was crowned John I. This didn't sit too well with Richard. And 1194, just five years later, Richard the Lionheart returns to England and takes the crown back from his brother. Now... You would think that in medieval times, this sort of treachery, the fact that his brother usurped the throne from him while he was miles away fighting a war somewhere else, you would think he comes back, he takes the tower, he drags his brother out of the tower at sword point, he would make an absolute sceptical of him, and the whole world or the whole country would know not to mess with Richard the Lionheart. But he didn't. He forgave him. And then five years later, he died and put John in charge anyway, and John became king for a second time. So he didn't really, you know, he didn't really retaliate in the way that you would probably think a medieval king would. Richard was a holy man. He believed in forgiveness, and he forgave his brother um, only to pass the throne on to him anyway. John became the first king, and I say the first king because there were a few more, to used the grounds of the tower as his own pet store. I would say store, he didn't really sell them. But we say, you know, he kept his pets in the Tower of London. Not unusual for someone to keep a pet in their own home, except King John didn't have what you'd call conventional pets. Uh, he had lions and leopards and bears, and they lived in the Tower of London with him. We'll flash forward a few years from Richard I. We'll go to Richard II, a uh, probably classic British king. And uh, for those of you Americans, you're going to understand what I mean by this. He implemented taxes that people 
didn't want to pay. Not only did they not want to pay, they didn't have the means to pay it. This is medieval London. These are, when we talk about peasants, we're talking real peasants here. And these these aren't people that go to work for money. These are people that go to work for food to keep their family alive. So he implemented a tax. The peasants basically said, well, we can't afford this. We're not going to pay it. The king said, you are going to pay it. And in 1381, the peasants revolted. And this is where you get the saying, all the peasants are revolting. And the king says, yeah, I know they are. But um, this is where the peasants' revolt really started. 1381, led by a man named Watt Tyler. Now, the peasants' revolt was a massive part of British history. And it is something that I will do an episode on itself. Because it is a fascinating story. Unfortunately for the king, he was in a situation where he pretty much didn't have any legs to stand on. He had to negotiate with the rebels. He came out of the tower to do so, and whilst the gates were open of the tower, the peasants ran in. When they ran into the tower, they absolutely destroyed it. Maybe not the building itself, but pretty much everything inside was destroyed Unfortunately, in the tower, they found a man named Simon Sudbury, the Archbishop. He was dragged out into the street and beheaded. And to make it sound even more gruesome, the either the axe was blunt or the axeman was drunk. It took him eight attempts to sever the head from the body. As I'm sure you can imagine, that's a pretty bloody and gruesome show so the tower has got quite a long history with revolts and none more so than what happened in the 15th century in england and again i'm going to date you all back to an an episode possibly last year which are named the wars of the roses now the wars of the roses center around the tower of london king henry the sixth was imprisoned in the Tower of London. Now, he was a pretty useless king, and you have to go back to the episodes to to listen to it, uh, because I'm not going to give you too much information, but we're not sure whether he was actually murdered in the Tower, or whether he just died in the Tower. That's something you're going to have to listen to those episodes yourselves and find out. The Wars of the Roses episodes that I have done are split into four. There are four episodes that take you right from the start under Henry VI all the way to Henry VII, which sounds like it's the next king, but believe me, it's not. There's a lot that happens in there. And during that time, there are a lot of events that happened in the Tower. One being the king, who is potentially murdered in the Tower, whilst he is still king and the man who murdered him or potentially murdered him he had a son say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. His son was Edward V. Edward V became king and was imprisoned immediately in the Tower of London by his uncle, who then usurped the throne, and a man named Richard III. So many of you who know William Shakespeare will know of Richard III. Richard III imprisoned his two nephews in the Tower of London and they were never seen again. Possibly the most famous prisoners ever in the Tower of London. Their skeletons were found a few years later in 1674 however they were not the first prisoners in the tower the actual first person to ever be imprisoned in the tower of london happened in 1100 and it was a man named ranulf flambard a norman now at the time he was an advisor to william ii william the conqueror's son and he was quite well astute in the political side when henry the first took the throne he decided that he didn't really want to keep with the old aristocracy and he imprisoned ranulf flambard in the tower and just one year later he became the first man to escape from the tower of london um the story goes that he actually um tricked some of the bishops and some of the jailers in the tower by offering them food and then he climbed out the window and escaped so yeah there we go at the time probably not a great place to be used as a prison it didn't really go down as the best prison in the world or certainly wasn't a notorious prison in that time we're going to flash forward again back to the wars of the roses and we'll go to the end of the Wars of the Roses, because like I said, I'm not going to give you any information about that. You're going to have to go back and listen. And if you're really, really interested, you're going to have to join Patreon, because episodes three and four of the War of the Roses as Patreon only. See, there are some advantages for being over there. We'll go to Henry Seventh, the man who killed Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth Hill. Henry Seventh didn't really do much with the tower but when he died his predecessor certainly did for those of you who are one step ahead of me henry the seventh child was henry the eighth the man who made the tower infamous now for those of you who want to know a little bit more about henry the eighth i'm going to refer you yet again to a previous episode go back and listen to the henry the eighth episode and you'll learn a little bit more about britain's most famous monarch But what did he actually do? Now, realistically, other than killing his wives, breaking away from the church, which are massive things in history, he didn't really do very much. But what he is famous for, we will remember forever. The breaking away from the Catholic Church in order to marry his latest squeeze, Queen Anne Boleyn, who he then realised that she couldn't produce a male heir for him either, and 
decided to have her removed as a problem. Couldn't really divorce another woman. Kind of gets a little bit bit weird, you know. Can't just divorce every woman you don't like. So uh, they orchestrated a adultery thing, adultery incest. I would say it's more incest, to be honest. But they accused her of sleeping with her brother. Nonetheless, her, her brother, and four of her friends were carted off to the Tower of London. And on in May 1536, Anne Boleyn was made to watch as her brother and her friends were beheaded. She was then led down to the scaffold and beheaded herself. And this is where people really know the history of the Tower of London. The things we know about are these. These are the more famous parts to the Tower. I would say majority of people know Anne Boleyn was beheaded at the Tower of London. But you might not know some of the previous things. History has a, a strange way of dealing out its own karma. And the man who orchestrated the betrayal, and I put that in quotation marks, of Anne Boleyn was a man named Thomas Cromwell. He was a close advisor to Henry VIII, who Henry VIII, just a couple of years later, had locked up in the tower and beheaded himself. So the man who orchestrated it was actually put in the same cell that Anne Boleyn was in just the day before she died. And he was then led to the same execution block and beheaded exactly the same as she was. We'll fast forward a few years to wife number five, Catherine Howard, um, Anne Boleyn's cousin, believe it or not. And yeah, 50-year-old Henry marrying a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, that was kind of doomed right from the start. Uh, found out that she was having an affair with another man. Believe it or not, someone who was probably a little bit more attractive than uh, good old fat King Henry at this point. And uh, yeah, she ended up in the same fate as everybody else. She was locked in the tower and again was beheaded. Now, I believe she screamed just before she was beheaded that she loved the man who she was accused of sleeping with, um, which unfortunately sealed his fate as well. And before that, it was kind of just a rumour. They couldn't really prove it. Um, the fact that I believe her last words were, I'm in love with this gentleman, meant that he was next on the executioner's list. So once dear Henry had passed... The crown went to his son. His son was unable to produce an heir and pass the throne on to a woman named Lady Jane Grey. A woman who goes down in history as the nine-day queen. She was queen of England for nine days. She was never crowned. And when Mary, Henry's daughter, the legitimate heir to the throne, came knocking on the Tower of London doors... Lady Jane Grey opened the doors and said, I do not wish to be queen. You may have your throne. <clears throat> Unfortunately for Lady Jane Grey, Mary was, uh, well, she lived up to her nickname. For those of you who don't know, it's not a drink. Bloody Mary was Mary I of England. And she executed Lady Jane Grey along with her husband in the Tower of London. And she went on to have a reign of, well, bloodshed, where anybody who opposed her 
and mainly Protestants, were persecuted, arrested, and many were beheaded in the Tower of London. When she passed, she left no heir. She passed the throne on to her sister, Elizabeth I, Good Queen Bess, one of the most famous British monarchs of history. And I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, she was just as bad when it came to beheading. She went through a stage of persecuting Catholics, Britain went through a little bit of a turmoil during the Tudors, um, but the Tudor dynasty ended with uh, Elizabeth I. It then passed on to James I. James I's mother um, was Mary, Queen of Scots, a woman who Queen Elizabeth had executed, but this time not at the Tower of London. James I was part of possibly one of the most famous events in British history, And I'm going to refer you to a previous episode, The Gunpowder Plot, one of my best episodes, I believe, um, that I've ever done. The Gunpowder Plot was done by a man named Robert Catesby, and it annoys me that everybody calls it Guy Fawkes Night. Guy Fawkes was just the poor idiot that was stuck and caught uh, in the the chamber underneath the Houses of Parliament. But British people, we know it as Guy Fawkes Night, and Guy Fawkes was arrested taken to the Tower of London, tortured, and then hung, drawn, and quartered in the Tower. So, we have some very, very famous prisoners in the Tower of London. But it doesn't end there. So, you may remember, earlier in the episode, we spoke about King John. Now, King John was the first king to add animals to the Tower of London. Believe it or not, these animals lasted for 600 years not those particular animals but animals in the tower in general lasted for around 600 years king john was the first one to put uh, lions bears and leopards in there and then at 1253 the first polar bear was added to the tower of london and in 1255 the first elephant was added to the tower of london by the 18th century, it had grown to what we would consider today a zoo, uh, hyenas, tigers, etc. Now, this sounds lovely and, you know, it sounds like a nice idea, but it really wasn't. These animals were very, very poorly treated. They didn't last very long when they were there because, let's be honest, we were getting polar bears and elephants and trying to feed them on the same things that British animals were to live off of. Um, Not really the right diet for these animals. Kind of didn't really work. And many of them died. Many of them didn't last very long. And unfortunately, they weren't really available for the public. So it wasn't a zoo like we know it. It was a a menagerie. Um, And it was pretty much just the king at the time flexing their muscles, saying, well... He might have one lion, but I've got a lion and a tiger. Yeah, it it was that sort of a chest out bolshiness rather than um, an actual point to it. The animals were very poorly treated. Like I said, a lot of them were locked in cages. Um, James I um, was said to have put dogs up against the lions to fight for his own amusement. And on a rare occasion... 
commoners were allowed to come in and view the animals, but if they did, they had to bring a cat for the lions to eat. Um, yeah, just it wasn't. <laughs> it's not a zoo like you would know today. It was um, kind of hell on earth for these animals. Luckily, by 1840, all of the animals had been removed from the Tower of London and put into London Zoo, which was opened in 1831. So you would think now we're going into the 19th century, um, or sorry, into the 20th century, I do apologise, the 1900s, and this has really got to be the end of the tower, and it's got to go into the point that we know it now, you know, as a museum, as the place that holds the crown jewels. Um, obviously, there's a lot more to it. It is still a working palace. There are still yeoman warders who live there. Um, but, I mean, as a palace, the king and queen don't live there. None of the royal family live there. It's not a zoo anymore. Essentially, it is pretty much just a tourist attraction now. So you'd think that's the end of it. But during the First World War, there were many um, spies, I say spies, in again in quotations, who were dragged to the Tower of London and executed. So between 1914 and 1918, there were countless numbers of spies that were executed at the Tower of London. And believe it or not, this went on until World War II. The last man to be executed in the Tower of London was a man named Joseph Jacobs. He was a a man from Luxembourg accused of spying for the Nazi party and he was executed on August the 15th, 1941. So that's 80 years ago and he was the last man to be executed in the Tower. Since then... There have been prisoners in the tower. Rudolf Hess, the Nazi number two, was imprisoned in the Tower of London. And so were the Cray twins. Now, for those of you who don't know who the Cray twins were, they were London's original gangsters. They are probably, well, in this country, in Britain in particular, the words, the name, the Cray's, Everybody knows the craze. Everybody knows of the craze. Everybody from East London, even now, has got a story about the craze. It's one of those places that, oh, sorry, one of those places, one of those people that everybody knows. Everybody's got a story. There's loads of documentaries out about them. I believe there's a film out about them. Um, I know there's one with Martin Kemp. There's also one that's come out recently called Legend. Um, And again, I have done an episode on the Cray Twins, and it's a blinding episode, but it's on Patreon. So for those of you who want to know about the last, one of the last prisoners ever to be held in the Tower of London, you'll have to go over to Patreon and pay for the privilege of listening to that episode. Like I said, guys, there is a lot on there. But now, as of today... The Tower of London is essentially a tourist destination. There is a rumour, however, that says if all the ravens leave the Tower of London, if there's not a raven in the tower, the monarchy will fall. If all the ravens are removed, there will be no king or queen. So, the king and queen, and 
predecessors of the King and Queen, the, her, her Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth, going all the way back to Queen Victoria and possibly even further, the ravens at the Tower of London have had their wings clipped, which means they can't fly away. <laughs> so we have nothing to worry about in this country. The monarchy isn't going to fall because the ravens disappear. But there is a rumour that says that. So the Tower of London nowadays is used as mainly for historical tours it still holds the crown jewels so all of the crown jewels are held at the tower of london and there have been attempts to steal the crown jewels in the past as well none have been successful but there have been attempts the tower of london is infamous it's one of the most famous buildings in the world it's been here for nearly a thousand years and it's still here now. It's still on the banks of the Thames. It was built as a monument to New London and it's still there now. If you ever get a chance to go to the Tower of London, it is a fantastic day. They have all the original um, brickwork from the original tower, the White Tower... Traitor's Gate is still there, one of the most famous uh, gates in the country, um, which is where a lot of the traitors were actually brought through on boat um, to be executed. It was actually originally called Trader's Gate because it was for trade, um, and then they changed it to Traitor's Gate uh, around King Henry VIII's time. It's a fascinating place with a lot of history, and like I said, if you ever get a chance, if you ever come to London... It should definitely be on the list of places to visit. However, and I do say however because it's somewhere I want to take my children, it is extremely expensive now. I think it's something like £40 per person to go. It is extremely expensive. Um, it is good. It is definitely good. And it is a piece of history that you will never, ever forget. But just make sure you've got a lot of money because... <laughs> Like I said, it's not a cheap place to go. But then, to be honest, it's a city centre. It's London. It's one of the most famous cities in the world. Nothing's cheap in London. Not even McDonald's is cheap in London. So, yeah. But, there we go. I've done a, quite a bit of research into this one. It's definitely an episode that I've enjoyed doing. Something a bit different. We've never actually done history of a one particular place. And I find it very interesting to think all the episodes that we have done and how they all link into this one building. Um, and like I said, guys, a lot of these episodes, as I said, you, you know, your Cray Twins, the Wars of the Roses, part three and four, these are all on Patreon only. So they're, you know, if, if anything in this has made you go, do you know what? That sounds brilliant. Get over to Patreon, $5 a month, you won't regret it. But thank you very much for listening, and again, I do apologise that this episode's coming late, but I hope you all forgive me, and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.